0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Guymere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, guymerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. Good evening, everyone. The reading tonight is from Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Well good evening everybody. Before we jump into God's word, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just pause right now before you, and we ask that tonight that you will speak to us, Lord. May the words that come out of my mouth be not my own, Lord, but may they be translated into whatever message that you have for us this evening, Lord, for those of us who need your encouragement, Lord, we pray that you will encourage us. For those of us who need conviction, we pray that you will convict us. And for those of us who need your inspiration, Lord, we pray for inspiration. Lord, be with us in this time right now. In your precious name, amen. Love, love, Love. Some say that love alone is worth the fight, that all you need is love. (laughs) And this truly is the power of love. But what happens when you've lost that loving feeling? (laughs) When you're left asking, where is the love? And you hear people cry out what the world needs now is love sweet love It's the only thing that there is just to little love You know there's this crazy little thing called love <laughs> So what is love actually Thank you. In 2018, in this Western nation, we have come to the realization that love is love. (laughs) We live in a time when we have the ability to choose what the definition of love is. Or to put it another way, we have the opportunity to choose what the ethic of love is. And what may seem like a blessing to us can actually be a detriment. Because what can happen is that when we come to a passage like the one that we've got this evening, is that we can actually misinterpret what it is that Jesus is actually saying to us. For example, if we are quite secular in our thoughts, then we might think that to love God simply means just to love the universe, to love nature and to marvel in the stars in the sky. And that to love our neighbor as ourself simply means to be nice to those who are around us not to ruffle any feathers, or perhaps just to play happy families. Now these things seem relatively easy, perhaps. I think perhaps at least they don't seem impossible. If I look at my own life, I can say, well, I go to church, I study the Bible, I pray, I worship. Do I love God? Tick, I think I do. Or if I think about my neighbours, I have neighbours on one side who are Muslims, my neighbours on my other side are Pentecostals, and a few houses down I have some Catholics. So apart from feeling like I live in some sort of weird joke, I actually get along with my neighbors. In particularly, I get along with my next-door neighbors who are Muslim. We get along really well, and my kids play with their kids, and we chat over the fence, and we get along really well. Do I love my neighbors? Tick. But is this what Jesus really means when he says that the greatest commandment is to love God? And the second is like it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. I suppose the best way to find the answer to that is to actually study Jesus, right? To, to study what he says and to study what he does, and then we can discern what it is he actually means. Well, we don't have time to study the whole life of Jesus, so let me just skim a pebble across the pond that is Jesus' life. When it comes to Jesus' teachings in Luke chapter chapter 10, when Jesus actually says that uh, the greatest commandment is to love God and uh, to love others, an expert in the law challenges him on this and says, well, what does that actually mean, to love others? And so Jesus replies with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we think that the parable of a good Samaritan is just to be nice to to old people and help them cross the road. But the moral of the, the story is actually to show love to people who have a predisposition of animosity towards us. In Matthew chapter five, verses 43 to 44, Jesus says this, you have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy but I tell you to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. It seems to be that Jesus is setting this incredibly high standard, dare I say impossible standard, about what it means to love others. But what about his actions? What did Jesus' actions actually say? in the Gospel of Matthew that we're looking at this evening. Matthew is a tax collector, one who is despised by his own people. He is the one who collects taxes from his own countrymen and gives them to the Roman emperor. Tax collectors are also renowned for skimming off the top and putting it in their own pockets. So to be a tax collector is to be at the bottom of the barrel and Jesus comes to Matthew and says, come, follow me. No judgment, no rebuke, no condemnation. Or perhaps, let's look at the Samaritan woman at the well in chapter four of John's Gospel. She's a Samaritan, so we already know that she's despised by the Jews. And secondly, she's a woman So her testimony in this culture is invalid. So anything that Jesus says to her has no weight to it because she cannot testify. And finally, she's already had five husbands. She is an outcast in her own town. And they have ostracized her. When the women of the town would come together and they'd head out to the well, it was a bit of a social experience for them. They'd head out together to get water from the well. But here she is, all by herself. And this is where Jesus meets her, at the well. And incredibly, through her, Jesus reaches the whole world town. Through her, he ministers to the whole town. How about the woman who was caught in adultery in chapter 8? They bring her before Jesus and they say, this woman was caught in adultery. We don't know where the husband is or the, the man is, but they bring her caught in adultery. The law says that she is to be stoned. But Jesus, what do you say? they who are without sin may cast the first stone. And one by one, they all leave until it is just Jesus and the lady. And Jesus says, where are those who condemn you? And her reply, they've gone. Well, neither do I condemn you. So go and leave your life of sin. In the Gospel of Luke, it seems to ramp up a little bit because as Jesus is being crucified on the cross, there are two criminals being crucified next to him and they begin to bicker about Jesus and then one of them turns to Jesus and says, remember me. Now, at this point, I think, we'd expect Jesus to turn to this criminal and say, mate, mate, we don't don't accept your kind in heaven. But he doesn't do that. Jesus says, today you will be in paradise with me. And finally, as Jesus is in the midst of having the nails driven into his hands, he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Such incredibly high standards of love that seem impossible to reach. And Jesus, who is pouring out his love, his grace and compassion to people who do not deserve it. These people are despised. They are outcasts. They are judged and they have been found wanting and they have been condemned by their own culture. And yet Jesus shows them love, grace and mercy. The call that Jesus places on our lives to love others as we would love ourselves. Is so incredibly great, so incredibly high. When I think about my own life, uh, I struggle because I get angry when people cut me off in traffic. I really struggle with patience. I struggle to show compassion to other people. And yet here is Jesus setting this impossibly high standard. So, how can we live up to this call? How can we reach that calling on our life? The answer is found in the greatest and first commandment, to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our minds. And there are a number of uh, spiritual disciplines that help us to do this, aren't there? We can study God's word and, and we can marinate in it and let it overflow our lives. We can pray, we can worship, we can meditate, we can journal. There's a whole wide range of spiritual disciplines to help us. But there is one thing, one thing that is the most important. And it's found in the garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus is in the garden, about to be arrested, knowing what lays before him, he comes to the Father in prayer and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me but not my will, but your will be done. The most powerful thing that we can ever do is give power and control and authority of our own lives to God. And to say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life, God, I want you to be at work in my life. And this this changes the spiritual disciplines of life. It brings a whole new meaning, a whole new purpose. We allow the Holy Spirit in to teach us, to coach us, to encourage us, to rebuke us, to correct us, and to inspire us as we begin to live out our life for God's will and for not our own, which enables us to actually love in a way that we never thought possible. I often find that when I struggle to love others in my own life, I find that it's a very good barometer for my own spiritual health. When I struggle to love other people, when silly things are weighing me down, it's so often related to the fact that I've taken control back from God. And I haven't let him be in control of my life. You see, allowing God to take control of our life and to long for his will to be done in our lives, it's not a rule that we should live by. It's actually part of God's design. It's part of God's plan for humanity. We are designed to love God in a way that seeks His will in our own life. And in doing so, we are empowered to love others in a way that we never thought possible. When I was a toddler, still in nappies, my earliest memory of life was my parents fighting my dad leaving, my parents were divorced at such a young age, and as a young child, I can remember thinking, why is it that other people have, seem to have at least anyway, a mum and a dad, but I've only got a mum? And as I grew older, this question loomed, and I had an on and off again relationship with my dad, I would attend, like I'd go to his house uh, every second weekend and spend time there. But as the years went on, I got to my senior year in senior years in high school, a time when we should be preparing for our HSC and have no other distractions in life. My mum called me to the kitchen table and she said, there's um, something I need to tell you. She said, um, your, your dad has, has been arrested. I thought, oh, okay. And he's been charged, and he's already been to trial, and he's been found guilty, and he's going to spend the next 13 months in jail. That's something pretty heavy to drop on a kid in one hit. I couldn't believe... That all this time it had been something that had been hidden from me, that I had no idea that this was going on in my father's life. It came as a complete and utter shock. I felt anger, I felt hurt, I felt betrayed, I felt confused. I was completely disorientated. The behavior and the actions of my own father as they began to unfold and become apparent, set off an atomic bomb that just rippled and destroyed my entire family. There was devastation everywhere. My dad does not deserve to be loved. He is unlovable. Yet over the years, as my faith was tested, and I continually had to keep surrendering to God, asking for his will to be done in my own life, and learning how to love God, God spoke to me. And he said, Brett, I made you, and I love you. And even though you do and say and think just incredibly stupid things, right, I died for you, and I conquered the grave for you. And just as I have done all of those things for you, I did those things for your dad as well. I made your dad. I love your dad. And he may have caused so much pain and devastation, I still died for him on the cross and I still conquered the grave for him. Loving my dad was not an easy thing to do. And it also does not mean that I accept his behavior or actions. And it also doesn't mean that his actions and behavior are without consequence either. Just because we forgive and we love does not mean that we condone other people's behaviour. There are consequences, consequences of trust amongst other things that then come into this new relationship. But by God's strength, by God's conviction, His patience and His grace, by loving God first, and surrendering all I have to him. I was able to love the unlovable. As my dad was suffering uh, from the effects of terminal pancreatic cancer a number of years ago, it was an absolute joy of mine to sit down with my dad and to say, Dad, I love you, and I forgive you, and the only way I can do that is because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus, Dad, and Jesus loves you too, and God loves you. We all walk different paths in life. We all face different challenges. We all have different people within our own lives that we struggle to love for various reasons. May we first love God, surrender to Him, and ask for His will to be done in our lives. And may we love others. Encouraging and supporting one another along the path. We are a family here together. It's one of my greatest joys coming and spending time with my God family. May we encourage and support one another along that journey so that we can love the unlovable let's pray heavenly father we just thank you for being a god who is love you are love unadulterated and pure and god we thank you that you are a god who loves us even though we don't deserve it and father We acknowledge and we realize the incredibly and impossibly high calling that you place on our lives when you call us to love others, when you call us to love people that we just do not want to love. But Lord, we pray that by the power of your spirit, as we love you and as we come before you and relinquish control, Lord, that you will work in our lives and that we will be empowered to love the unlovable. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.